From WKYT Podcast, this is Uniquely Kentucky. I'm your host, Amber Philpott. Hello, podcast listeners. I hope you're doing well. I am a huge bookworm. I make no bones about it. Always have been, always will be. My life doesn't feel complete unless there's a stack of books on my bedside table. It's my escape, a chance to let my mind breathe, and just rest while wrapped up in a story that can take me away anywhere. I love talking with authors about where their ideas come from, how they put those down on paper, and make characters come to life. My guest today on Uniquely Kentucky is a bluegrass native, having grown up right outside of the Lexington area near Berea. Kimry Martin is the author of her debut novel, The Queen of Hearts, and her second book was just released, The Antidote for Everything. She is an ER doctor turned novelist and using her background in medicine to write some incredible stories complete with a little medicine, some humor, and characters that you want to walk right off the pages so you can meet them. Uniquely Kentucky with Amber Philpott is brought to you by the WKYT News and Weather Apps, available on the App Store and Google Play. Kimry Martin, welcome. Thank you so much, Amber, for having me. You're on a whirlwind. You're beginning your book tour, right, with this second book? I'm a week in, and it has literally rained in every city I've been in until today. Oh, good. So thank you, Lexington. Well, it's not beautiful <laughs> outside, but we can give you yeah. about 50-degree temperatures and no rain today. Yeah, I will so. take it. Kimmer, you are um, a Kentucky gal. I know you've been away from the Bluegrass State for a number of years, but talk to me about growing up here. What was it like near Berea, right? Yeah, outside Berea, um, magical. So we lived in the country um, right near the start of a holler, and there was a huge field next to my house where I played when I was a child. Um, We literally could not see our neighbors, and I have truly incredible parents. My dad was a self-taught architect who designed and built energy-efficient houses, and my mom founded a community organization in eastern Kentucky. And what was that? It was called Appalachian Communities for Children, and it empowered Appalachian people, especially children, a ton of projects. She's kind of a living saint. Moms are special and especially moms that have a passion for others and community for sure. We'll talk about the book and all of that but um, we call this Uniquely Kentucky so I want to draw out all the Kentucky I can from you while you're here. You really credit your parents with giving you the love of books and reading and a little bit of writing and I think I read somewhere where your dad would take you once a year to Joseph Beth And he would buy you all the books that you wanted. I feel like that's a pretty special dad to do that. Oh, yeah. So that was like Disneyland. Um, I actually got into books before I could walk. My mom would take me to the public library, or actually the college library in Berea, and then later to the UK library where she was getting a master's degree. And I read literally every single book in the children's library. And then, yes, my dad would take me on my birthday to the bookstore because we were a really bookish family. Um, And I could pick out what I wanted. And to me, that was heaven. That is amazing. Do you remember, Kimry, that first book that really had an impression on you that you literally, it just, it grabbed you from your soul or your heart? Sure. Eloise. Of course, a great book. (laughs) The little girl that grows up in the plaza in New York City. So for a little Kentucky girl like me, um, that was just the epitome of worldly glamour. This little girl that lived in Manhattan and apparently had no parents and did what she wanted. 
And I still remember the first time I went to New York City and I went, I made a beeline for the plaza to check it out. I was like, this is where Eloise was. <laughs> I love that story. Um, you, I, I also read too that um, you won your first writing contest when you were very, very young. And I believe you won like a red elephant or something. That's one of my really earliest school memories. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I, I don't remember what my story was about. <laughs> it's probably a good thing. Um, but yes, I did. I won her. And that was actually the only writing contest I ever won until I became a, you know, old adult. You, you know, you are um, an ER doctor. Um, and I know you're not doing that now, but I always think if you're an ER doctor, you're always going to be an ER doctor. How does one go from... Uh, that to becoming a writer? Well, I consider myself so fortunate to have had these two great career passions. So I do love the practice of emergency medicine. You know, there is something really rewarding about being able to make an immediate impact in the life of another human being who is ill or injured or suffering. And I like the pace and the procedures and the technical stuff and the camaraderie. But like you, I've always been a bookworm. Mm. Um, I've read two, three, four, five books a week all my life. And I literally sat down one day and said, I'm going to try to write a novel. Because that was the thing I loved when other people did it. And yeah, I sat down and I wrote a novel. Now that makes it sound easy. And it was not. Being a doctor, you could have picked any path in, mm -hmm. in the medicine world. Uh, why the ER? Because that is a crazy world. I mean, it is mm -hmm. high stress, high paced. Why that? Well, I actually started in general surgery and decided to switch. Um, and I love operating. I like procedures. I liked the technical challenges of that. Um, ER is a bit of a better lifestyle, I think, for women. Um, once I got old enough to realize I wanted kids, which did not happen in medical school, you know, you're just a baby then, um, it seemed like a, a better field. And there were a few other reasons to switch. But in both of them, I just really like the pace of it. They're fast paced. When you sat down to um, write that first time, because I would feel like even though you've got an idea in the head, was it a very daunting feeling to kind of sit down with that blank screen or blank page in front of you? Well, here's what I would say, Amber. Um, ignorance is bliss. <laughs> Isn't it all for all of us, right? I mean, I didn't know how to write a book. And so I wasn't daunted because... I just sort of freewheeled free my way into it without having any cares. Um, you know, if nobody, no one else cares what you're doing, then that is very freeing. And so I just charged ahead without a plan. And in retrospect, that meant a lot of revision. Mm -hmm. But it was fun. I was, it was a labor of love. I did it because I liked it. How long did it take you when you first sat down to write and, and get something that you really felt like, okay, this is decent enough that I really want to turn it over to someone to let them look at it? About 10 months and then at least another year of revision after that um, first draft was done. Your first book, The Queen of Hearts, if people haven't heard of it, haven't read it, give me a little synopsis of what it's about. Okay, so it's about two women who grew up in Kentucky. Um, one is a cardiologist, and hence the title. Um, one is a trauma surgeon, and one of them is keeping this very significant secret from the other one. Um, I kind of wanted to write an entertaining, fun, but smart, mm -hmm. fly-on-the-wall story about medicine and, and 
you know, women physicians' lives, and they're both mothers. And um, so I, I didn't have a huge overarching um, thematic goal, but I wound up loving these characters. I know it's fiction, but you probably draw a lot, as you said, on the things that you have seen, that you have heard, that you have witnessed, and it's all kind of interwoven, right? Yeah, so no, none of my friends will talk to me anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, you know, your life is kind of fodder. Um, I did base one of the characters in The Queen of Hearts on a real person, and that was the three-year-old in the book, Delaney. She was based on my own Mm -hmm. three-year-old. But most of the characters are sort of an amalgam of a little bit of me in places, a little bit of people I've known, a lot of pure fiction. Do these characters just kind of come to you? Are you one of those people where you kind of wake up in the middle of the night and you have an idea and they just come to you? Or do you have a real long thought process about what you're writing? The characters come to me pretty easily. The plot is a lot harder. It it takes a lot of work for me to figure out how the story's going to unwind. Your first book came out, debuted, what, 2018? Yes. So from the time that you started writing and then it went through all the revisions, you know, what was the time lapse for it to finally make its way to to readers? Oh, that's a good question. Okay. It was a long, humbling road. I think um, the way you get published in traditional New York publishing is you have to be represented by a literary agent and... To do that, you write this one-page letter about your book. One page, that's it. You don't send them your manuscript or anything, just that letter. And then on the basis of that, they decide whether or not to represent you. I sent more than 100 letters before anyone even thought about representing me or looking at my book or anything. So it was humbling. Wow. Um, It was about a five-year time lapse from finishing the book to getting it published. I know that it is hard to do that, but when you say five years, I mean, that is really a labor of love for Mm -hmm. something. And during that whole time, were you still in the ER, still working? Mostly. um, I did get a different medical job about halfway through Mm -hmm. this process, and now I don't work in the ER at all because I'm on this giant book tour and I do this publicity stuff Mm -hmm. and, you know, the writing and the revising and all. But I have my toes still in medicine a little bit. You can't get away from it completely. This second book um, really dives into some interesting issues. Um, It just came out, The Antidote for Everything. I love it because it's set in Charleston, one of my Mm -hmm. most favorite cities. But you are tackling, again, you're in the medical world hilarious that you're like right off the bat the very first page is talking about a female urologist which is not something that you think of very often but also as you get further into this book you take on transgender issues and that is a very interesting topic it's also uh, something that is going on in almost every community talking about this why was that important to make that make that part of your book well I think the topic surprises a lot of people especially people that know me um I think because I'm a physician, I'm interested in the intersection of medical care with cultural and political and legal realities. And so this plot kind of revolves around these two doctors who are friends, and one of them is fired after being told that he can no longer treat transgender patients, and he refuses, and he loses his job. And um, I think it's kind of a valid question to ask is who gets to make decisions about medical care? Is that hospital administrators or politicians or insurance companies or doctors and patients. And I'm obviously super biased (laughs) in favor of doctors and patients. But um, yeah, 
it was sort of spurred by a real life circumstance, the the plot of my book, mm-hmm. um, based on something that happened to a colleague of mine. Sure. And also you're in Charlotte and I know that was a real hot button issue. Yeah, there was a bill that said that communities cannot pass their own anti-discrimination laws, if I'm understanding Mm -hmm. it correctly. And I know that people want to get legal analysis from a doctor about as much as they want to get mm-hmm. surgery from a lawyer. So yeah. I, I'll, I'm likely to get every, you know, bits of it wrong mm-hmm. if I delve too much into the legal stuff. But I, I did find that interesting. Yeah. It spurred my interest. That book is out now for readers. What's it like to now say you have two babies out into the world? Oh, it's really cool. I mean, it's changed my life. I have met people all over the world, literally all over the world, because I became a writer. Mm. Um, and I get to hear so many interesting stories and go so many places. Um, Are you amazed when you go to these places? Because I know I'm, I, I can be a groupie of, of my favorite authors, and I know my girlfriends are. And it's a real treat for us when you do come to town. So what's it like for you when you hear all of these stories? I mean, what's, what's some of the things that folks have told you about your books? Oh, um, well, I will tell you that literature is really subjective. Um, some people hate my writing and some people love it, you know, and I get messages from people that, uh, some particular passage struck a chord with Mm -hmm. them or, um, I got, actually, I got a letter in the mail not long ago from a, a, a lady who I had seen in the ER maybe five years ago. And she said, you saved my husband's life. And, I've never forgotten you, and I saw you in the newspaper, and I rushed out and bought your book, and I'm sitting here sobbing as I read it. And I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, it's so neat to make a connection with another person that way. Well, I'll tell you the news is the same way. People love you or they hate you, and you just (laughs) let them go on, right? That's all we can do. That's all you can do. Um, You are a mom as well of three children, two of which are teenagers, correct? Correct. How in the world do you find time to write with teenagers running around? So that is the number one question I get. Um, I was joking for a long time that I gave up hygiene and housekeeping (laughs) to fit everything in. And I'm kind of joking, but I'm kind of not. Um, Yeah, I I did have to give up stuff, though. I, I stopped watching TV for a couple of years. I stopped doing some volunteering that was important to me. And uh, sometimes I just, you know, screw up. Right. Um, it, it, there is no perfection here. So that's a that's a good because even for those of us that don't have children, but we are in a world where it's kind of go go go. Where did you find the balance, or are you finding the balance? Because I think all of us are looking for that or striving for it, and all of us mess up, all of us screw up just like that. But we eat ourselves up over it, don't we? Oh yeah, we do. I mean, I I've sat down on the floor of my closet and cried at my mistakes mm. recently. In fact, yeah. <laughs> um, but my kids have been pretty forgiving. Um, you know, they're they're good people and they've been supportive. My husband is supportive. Um, I have a lovely family yeah. that helps. Do they see mom chasing her dream though? I, I mean, I don't know. They're teenagers. They probably don't really dial into that. But mm. I would hope that they see that you're chasing your dream and something that you really want as much as you want for them one day in life? Yeah, I think my oldest child, um, the word that she might use for my publicity outreach stuff is cringy. (laughs) Um, But she's proud too. (laughs) She probably wants to give you some social media lessons, right? I ask her all the time. I'm like, like my Instagram post, Katie. And she's like, mom, stop it. (laughs) So in one of the articles that I read about you, um, when you began writing, your, your first place was maybe in the playroom. 
Mm-hmm. You don't still write in the playroom, do you? Well, I commandeered the playroom and turned it into an office. Okay. And then we ultimately redid another room and made it a real office. But, um, yeah, I, I hate, I don't mind writing with noise, mm-hmm. but I don't like clutter. And yeah. with three kids, there's just, I'm doomed. Well, and I re- I'm, I'm with you as well. I recently redid my office, and I had to take everything out of it to start fresh, mm-hmm. kind of the same way. I wanted things that inspired me but not clutter. And it's kind of hard to get all that out of there it sometimes, is. right? Um, I did see some pictures, though, and folks, I mean, this is like my next goal in life. You have a set of stairs in your mm-hmm. home that have something very special going all the way up them, and you found it on Etsy. Yeah, Tell that's me about right. that. So I was looking for a low-cost way to glam up my staircase, mm-hmm. and I decided to make it look like the spines of books. So I ordered mm-hmm. these gold and bronze book decals that looked like the spines of my favorite books. I got mm-hmm. to pick them uh, from a woman on Etsy, and then I applied them to the staircase. And if you go on my Instagram account, I think if you scroll kind of far down now, um, you'll be able to see it. But it turned out so It's beautiful. Cool. I mean, yeah. it is so stinking cool. I'm like, I have to find a way to incorporate that. And I was like, darn it, I don't have steps to do like that, but I'm going to figure out a way to make that go on the wall or somewhere. Yeah, and it was cheap. Yeah. Um, what does a gal like you do when you do finally get away from a crazy book tour, you have some time on your own, other than reading, because we'll talk about the books that you love in a moment, but what do you find time that you find time for yourself to do? Well, I like reading interior design magazines. Um, I love travel. My secret goal is to write a travel book. Cool. So I'll kind of, you know, fool around on the computer looking at places I would like to go. Um, I like walking outside, just being outside for some portion of every day sort of renews my spirit a lot. Um, Not lately because it's been raining. Every day. (laughs) Every day. Um, And then, you know, kid stuff. My little one amuses me endlessly with the stuff she says and does. I saw that you often fall down the same rabbit hole that I go down on Instagram. If you follow Bookstagram, mm-hmm. uh, it is, if you've not seen it, it's just, it's just books and books in places that are beautiful, right? Oh, people turn books into art. <sighs> it's gorgeous and so creative. Mm-hmm. But an hour later, you've fallen down yeah. that rabbit hole and, and gone there. Um, what kind of books does Kimberly Martin like to read herself? Because apparently you go through a lot. If you're doing two to three more books a week, what's your what's your go-to books? Well, I keep a running list on my website of what I'm reading every month. Um, and I'd say I'm about 40% nonfiction, 60% fiction, kind of across most genres. I really like... Um, women's fiction, literary fiction. I like science fiction and historical fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, popular science. I'm really interested in biotechnology. Um, there's a, a writer I love named Michio Kaku who writes really theoretical physics, but it's so easy to understand the oh, way wow. he puts everything, and it's so trippy. Um, probably my favorite author is Bill Bryson. Mm-hmm. I love on. him because he's smart as all get out and he's entertaining. The man cannot write a boring sentence. Um, I'm, I'm really a geek about him. He's coming to Charlotte in 2021 and I begged, it's begged to be allowed to pick him up from the airport. Oh, I love it. It's already on our calendar. <laughs> yeah. Have you had that moment where an author that you really uh, look up to or admire has said something about your writing that you really went, whoa, you know, that, that hits me somewhere. Yeah. I've had a, well, you know what? I've gotten to meet a lot of authors now. Mm -hmm. Um, in fact, I just, 
I don't even know if I should say this, but I just had dinner last night with um, Colleen Oakley and Taylor Jenkins Reid. Mm-hmm. Um, Taylor's latest book, Daisy Jones and the Six, is a oh, huge yes, bestseller, huge. becoming a series or a TV mm-hmm. movie or something. Um, so I was sitting there in this restaurant with the two of them in Atlanta last night thinking, geez, I am really unsuccessful. <laughs> it was that pinching moment. Yeah, yeah. What do you draw when you sit down with folks like that who are, you know, having the success that they're having? Um, because I'm someone that likes to kind of pull a little something out of every single person that I meet and that I sit down and talk with. What do you find yourself kind of pulling out of people like that and going, I'm going to stick that up here and use it sometime? Oh, well, I'm always curious about, of course, where their ideas come from. Both Colleen and Taylor have such creative on unusual non-derivative books they're they're just so unique um so i love hearing and i like hearing their writing process you know do they plot everything out and outline do they fly by the seat of their pants what inspires them, who their favorite authors are. Yeah, we talk a lot of book stuff, but a lot of other stuff. Well, that's interesting because how do you do it? Because I sat down with an author, uh, Gwenda Bond is someone that's from here in Lexington, and Gwenda and her husband write together, and I walked into their office, and the walls were covered in um, just sheets of paper with their outline of everything going on, and that's how they write creatively together. What's your process? I do believe I read that it was a very disorganized process. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, hot mess, yes. Yes. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm totally dysfunctional. I don't outline or plot ahead of time. And let me tell you, that is an approach that leads to a need for a lot of revision. Mm. Um, but I can't outline. I've tried. Yeah. I just can't do it. It's very funny because someone like you who loves um, kind of order and structure mm-hmm. when it comes to like the medical world, I would assume that that would carry over into the writing. But it sounds like it's like a free-for-all for you. Yeah, but if you really analyze that statement, I work in the ER. Truth. Yes, (laughs) truth. You're so right. Creative brain. Just let it go crazy. So are you working on something else? I mean, I know you just got a book out into the world, but I would have to imagine that probably there's always something stirring around up there in the brain. Okay, Amber, the newswoman and you will like this one. Okay. Okay. So the publisher is pitching my next book, the one that I'm writing now, as The Hot Zone Meets Sophie's Choice. So it's about an infectious disease doctor who's traveling um, during a brand new worldwide pandemic, a viral pandemic. How appropriate is that? I, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> um, she's with her two kids wow. and she has, they both get really sick. She has to pick which child will receive the only available dose of an experimental antiviral medication. And it sounds far-fetched, but I actually got that idea from um, the real life Ebola outbreak a right. few years ago. Mm-hmm. And then now, of course, we have COVID-19 yeah. and um, we really have not advanced mm-hmm. in antiviral care that far beyond where we were in 1918 when influenza killed maybe 100 right. million people. Yeah. So it's a legitimate concern for sure. That is so interesting. Do you always think that your books will kind of have a medical tone to them or do you hope to venture away from that? Well, it actually states in my contract with Penguin Random House mm-hmm. that my books have to be medical with a female doctor as the protagonist. So that's for three books. And then after that, I guess I'll see. I I love that because it's working right now Mm -hmm. and you're doing it really well. So keep going with it. That's another interesting thing. How much of um, the creative licensing do you have with ideas or um, as you said, like something pitched to you on what they would like to see you write? And if someone pitches something to you, does it make it that much harder to make it your own? 
Well, it's more the reverse. I pitch things to my publisher mm-hmm. and they say no. Okay, <laughs> done. So yeah, um, we, we went through a couple story ideas for this next, for the book that is coming out right now. Um, and then they love the infectious disease idea, mm-hmm. which I pitched to them like eight or nine months ago, probably. So this was well before coronavirus. And I've spent the last few months talking to people at the CDC and WHO. And mm-hmm. a lot of the story is set in Southern Europe and Northern Africa. And so I've been talking to people that live there. And um, I'm having, I'm going to have fun with that one, I cool. think. Well, it's very timely and very appropriate, and also just every day in the news or something that you can mm-hmm. kind of draw on. Um, how often do you get back here to Kentucky and enjoy this this lovely state that we have here? At least three times a year, maybe more. I mean, I would come. I'd come every month for sure if I could. There's just something that feels so comforting and like home to mm-hmm. me as soon as and my gosh flying over Lexington I'm oh. always infused with this sense of pride to everyone else on the plane about how beautiful it is you look out and you see all sure. those fences and farms and I'm like I, I grew up here <laughs> this is home this is home to me um where can people find you if so by the time that this one you're in town to be here in Lexington and so by the time that this is out you will been long gone so if people want to keep up with you how can they do that to find out where you're going to be or or what's on uh, the next book that's coming out, or just what you're reading right now? Yeah, uh, well, I have a website, KimmeryMartin.com. I keep a list of what I'm reading. I interview authors, um, book recommendations, and um, and I do love Instagram. You know, hashtag Bookstagram. Yeah. Yep, I like that. Um, how fortunate are you to have grown up in a home where parents instilled that love for you? Because I grew up in that kind of home, and books have been my world for 39 years, and I just think there's something really special about books in general. I feel infinitely blessed. Mm. I cannot imagine my life if I had not been a book lover. Yeah. Are you a gal that reads a book and I want to close it when I'm done, or do you put them on... Kindle or an e-reader? Well, I'll, How does an author feel about that these days? Oh, I feel fine about that. Yeah. I mean, um, I like audiobooks because a lot of people don't have time to read, sure. but they're in the car, uh, you know, or they're, you know, they have reading difficulties or whatever. Um, I like the Kindle when I'm traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is something just really satisfying about holding a book. And I reread my favorite books over and over. So I like to have those as actual physical books. It's something special to have those books that you can go back to time and time again. And they become a little worn or the pages become a little, you know, dog ear tear, you know, torn. Mm-hmm. So there's something very special about that. Well, Kimberly, it has been um, a joy to sit down with you. Um, I've kind of admired you from afar through friends and now I'm enjoying the book. So best of luck to you as you go throughout the country and meet different folks. And we're glad you can come back to Kentucky. We'd like to have you back here more. Oh, my pleasure. I would like to be here more. Thank you. Well, go check it out right now. The Queen of Hearts and her latest book, The Antidote for Everything. Kimry Martin, look her up on her website and then obviously on Instagram. Check her out and go read. And um, I guess until next time, I'll see you on the news. Have a good one. Oh, 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 oh,